0: We go to work and when
1: Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm.
0: Hey guys, Sarah here. Before we get started with the show, I just want to let you know that because of the pandemic that we're all currently living in, all of the episodes going forward um, were recorded with Zoom, so the quality of the sound is going to be different than what you normally expect. Also, we recorded these episodes ahead of time, so what you're hearing from us doesn't reflect what's currently going on in the world. Who knows what's going on in the world by the time you hear these? Hopefully, we're doing better and getting a grip on this crisis. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Hello. Hello. <laughs> You're listening to Whining with Nurses. <laughs> Applaus,
1: applause, applause, applause. Welcome, Betty. I'm Sarah. And I'm Desi. And like she said, you're listening to Whining with Nurses, the podcast where we uh drink wine and wine. So it's pretty self explanatory. Although, if you need an explanation on our previous episode, there's a detailed formulaic layout of what we do here.
0: It's very, it's very uh scientific and um complicated. And you might need to go back and listen to it so you can hear the explanation. Yeah. Shows glasses
1: you up now yeah <laughs> my patented move make me seem smarter
0: <laughs> um so what you drinking oh, yeah. over there
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: did we just say <laughs> that at the exact same time yes jinx
1: <laughs> you owe me a coke diet please uh, see that's okay when my drink?
0: what are you drinking
1: okay I'm drinking you first like, I'm I'm probably gonna say this wrong, but it's called Shug, S-C H U G. Oh right? okay. Sug. Sure. And it's from Carnaros Estate, which is like I guess technically in Sonoma County, but it is along the like hills between Sonoma and Napa Valley. So, anyways, oh, yeah. uh, it's a Pinot and it's pretty delicious so far. Hmm.
0: That sounds sugary. Uh shug spelled S-C-H-U-G. Um, I've yeah. got a 2012 Cabernet from Deerfield Ranch. Um, it is delicious. Ooh. Uh yeah, I, I love uh being a member at Deerfield Ranch because they give you a lot of older varietals and their wines age really well. And so then sometimes when you get a shipment, it's like from 2012 or 2013 and it's just perfect. Oh, or that's you could let it lay down for another couple of years and it's still perfect. I don't know. I feel like I plug them all the time. They're not actually a sponsor of ours.
1: Hopefully one day they will be. I love their wine. Um, it's really nice to find a wine that ages well.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I actually, you know, on second taste of this, not my favorite, but I will probably buy it again because my, one of my brothers calls his wife, Shug.
0: Aww.
1: And so I think I'll make a candle for them. That is a really sweet nickname. I like it. Yeah. And she's Brazilian and calls him Vida, which is life. They're just the cutest, most annoyingly cute, adorable couple in the whole wide world.
0: Is that the couple upstairs? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's right. No,
1: that's not them. Okay. They it's John and Deborah, and they live on a boat and are like refurbing it to go sail around the world. And she's like this beautiful earth mama yoga queen. And John's like Peter Pan grown up. Well, that all sounds lame. I know they're the worst. And the best I do hate them actually. Yeah. I I decided. I'll let them. (laughs)
0: Um, so I won't ask how you are or have been, cause we know that it's probably not wonderful.
1: <laughs> um, a lot of the same, I would just say kind of a lot of the same. I will touch on, um, so there was that noise again, by the way, that That's, I don't know what it was. so I live downstairs in a house. It's like a, an apartment downstairs upstairs my brother and his wife live and it's an old house so it like you can hear i like you just asked me why i have this radio next to the chair i'm talking to it so i can commute it's like an intercom system for upstairs but i can hear when they're walking to go get the radio like that's how i can just hear it so that's what you're hearing and if there's little okay little scuffles going on that's my puppy Sully up there and if there's like thundersome lumbering footsteps that's my brother mario walking in his boots in the house (laughs) like a freaking clydesdale and if you're not going to hear sarah because she's like a waif
0: okay i feel satisfied now i was like no it's shuffling it sounds like (laughs) shuffling but okay now we put it together that's what it is (laughs)
1: so anything new with you to report or a lot of the same Um, I have a little bit of good news.
0: Um, So it's kind of, it's, I think it's, I think it's really good news. Um, My mom has, but it starts out sounding bad. So my mom's not been doing well for a long time, unfortunately. Um, And she hasn't been on chemo for months. I don't even know how long, maybe six months and the doctor and, and she had pretty much come to this uh, conclusion that she was never going to be able to get chemo again, because it's just, so hard on her. Well, now it's been months without chemo and she's still having a lot of the same symptoms and problems. Like she's still having the same symptoms that we thought were brought on by the chemo. So, um, was that upstairs again? (laughs) Sorry. It's just, I'm like every time it's like, it surprises me anyway. Um, so, she, uh, recently decided because she's been feeling well for like, I don't know, maybe a week and she's just going to go ahead and try chemo again because if she feels like shit, whether she's on it or not, she might as well get some treatment. Yeah. So she had her first treatment today and it went well and we'll see how things pan out over the next couple of days. And I hope, well,
1: yeah, that's, that is good news. I'm happy. To yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm bummed that she, it, you know, that she hasn't gotten any relief from feeling like, crap but uh, yeah that is good news yeah like it
0: is we'll take it 2020 give my mom some chemo (laughs) (laughs) oh never thought that'd be something I would celebrate
1: (laughs) the everybody's perspective has shifted this in the last 10 months yeah. 10 months. The other yeah. day I, I I said something like I meant to say like, oh yeah, back in early October. And I was like, I said that never even happened in October. And I ended up saying, oh, that never even happened in August. And it, I continued with my story, but it, it remained the source of complete confusion for the person I was talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really thought that I, it was just August, like last month.
0: The time all melds together, especially during this season. I think I've told you outside of the podcast, but I'm going to mention it for listeners, too. You know, every year it happens now, August through October. Fires happen all over Sonoma and Napa counties. It's awful. There's smoke all the time. Like, we had weird, orange, apocalyptic-looking weather for a long time. We couldn't go outside um, it's the most hellish time of year, and I think going forward we should just embrace it and make it spooky goth Halloween season from August to October. I love it. Yeah, just dress goth or like like goblins, prank people, scare little kids, just
1: be an a-hole maybe. Well, like a nice one. That's too far. A <laughs> lubricated one. <laughs> uh. <laughs> A smooth ale. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Wink wing. <laughs> um, I like it because you know, I in the year-long ennui that we've all been in, I've been trying to find like little ways to be happy. And one of those little ways was I made this huge like October movie and TV show list that I wanted to check off like you know, Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow, Adam's Family, all these scary movies or like cute, scary movies. I made it halfway through and it, it was just like another failure.
0: <laughs> what? Oh, because you only made it halfway. Yeah, so to start. and <laughs> didn't even do that right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to start in August would be a much more feasible thing to succeed.
0: Okay, let's do it. Yeah. yeah, we started watching scary movies. We actually subscribed to some new scary movie um, streaming service, Shudder. But yeah. we did it the week of Halloween. And now I'm like, we could have been doing that since August and I would have been fine with that, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah actually not to like go into like a depressing little...
0: Let's do it.
1: ...thinking ship. But I, I I read something to you. I like do like little prose writing here and there. And I read something to you recently... And in, in that, I talked about how throughout this whole year, you know, like time is being wasted. You know, this is the whole year of like missed memories and plans and um, experiences that have just been put on hold. And it's nobody's fault. I mean, a pandemic, it's nobody's fault. It's just the nature of viruses. Um, and but it, it it doesn't discount the fact that we're like all losing like so many opportunities you know what I mean yeah that's true time being taken away from us yeah yeah it is that's why I'm making Halloween movie lists to try to uh give meaning to the time that's being stolen
0: (laughs) I like it and I'm just thinking about that writing piece that you shared with me um you called it little prose I don't know it had like big feeling it had big um it it Impacted me and my heart, and like I don't know. I think you should share it with more people. Oh. If not on here, then somewhere. It was beautiful and sad and touching, and
1: thank you. I appreciate. Yeah. It. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe post it. I don't know. We'll see. On with a. Cl-
0: I couldn't hear any of that. Oh, I was couldn- that upstairs?
1: I just said uh, with clearer, like, less wine-fogged mind, I might make a decision on that. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's fair.
1: I don't <laughs> You cut out, too, so you can't blame that on upstairs.
0: What? Is there a ghost in my computer? Yes. Hope so. Hey. Hey, who's in there? How
1: cool is that be? Okay. <laughs> so we've been chatting way more than we meant to. Let's, uh, yeah, let's get into our topic for the day. On with
0: the show. <laughs>
1: Love it. The show must go on.
0: Um, So we're talking today about report. You got to do it. Nurses do it at the start and end of every shift and uh, what makes it good and what, what could we leave out? What do you do in your report, etc.? So yeah.
1: Unintentionally, I end up communicating a lot in a report style. In general, in life? Yeah. In life. I've noticed yes. like, in my text messaging even in in my like storytelling or when I'm on a date, I'll accidentally like do an SBAR story.
0: Uh, SBAR is a great way to communicate. Yeah, <laughs> we should break it down just in case anyone hasn't heard of SBAR. I mean, non medical people probably wouldn't have heard of it, but it's situation, background, assessment, and recommendation. So it's just a good way to communicate something either to get the next nurse oncoming or if you need to talk to a physician or another provider. It gives situation, like basic information about the patient and background. So like what's been going on with them or what are the pertinent vital signs or the well, I guess that could go in assessment. Um, what, what's the pertinent history or background of the story? Assessment, like what are the things that you're finding, the vital signs, the labs or the symptoms or whatever, and then recommendations. So it's like you don't just go to someone with a problem, like, here's everything I found, but give an idea of what you think might be helpful.
1: Yes. And I think uh, the R recommendations is so underappreciated because so much is said with the recommendation that you're not able to say in the SBAR. Yes. (laughs) I agree
0: with that. And I feel like um, for this is a little off subject because it's not report, but I use SBAR communication in the office a lot when I'm messaging the doctors, you know, patients call in, We take their concerns and then we ask the doctor for something. So it's like, I always want to have an idea, you know, patients call and just tell me symptoms often. And I'm like, okay, well gather more information. Then if I can give the doctor an idea of, could we add this medication? Or maybe if we hold this medication for a few days, then they're like, oh, okay. So maybe she thinks they're, you know, dehydrated. We need to hold their Lasix for a few days or, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, I get it. But it, yeah. So. Anyways, I think we're on the same page about that. Like the recommendation, it speaks to what what your perspective is more than the S- SBA.
0: It speaks to what your what, what is?
1: What your perspective is on the situation. What the, cause okay. of the problem is. You know, like, because you're kind of just giving like data with the situation background and assessment and the recommendation gives it context.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: I agree with that.
0: So what do you think makes a good like what do you like to hear when you're getting a report? What makes it good?
1: Um the basics, you know. I think always getting the basics like uh, code status, allergies, like those are easy to take for granted because you can really always check them, but it's good to go into a shift having those as like pillars of your care for the patient. So, like code status. Um, if they, you don't need to list all the allergies, but be like, yeah, they have a ton of allergies, so check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or then, if there's just one and it's an, a big one, like,
0: yeah, don't give them any morphine.
1: We get or that all the no, time. No Ambien, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? I mean, you know, Espar in general's good. Good to follow, I think and you'll probably agree with this, just know, knowing when I give you report, I'll tailor it a little bit just because I know you. Mm-hmm. Um, like you don't want to be over detailed. Yeah. Because the nurse, the oncoming nurse, uh, is always going to do their own assessment. They're um, generally going to look at morning labs anyways. I think, you know, as a night shift nurse, my goal when I'm giving report, other to inform the nurse of the, the general situation going on with the patient is to set them up for success, like narrow their priority list down. Cause it's day shift is super busy. And if there's something that can like, wait, I'm not going to draw attention to it. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. I like that idea. Um, one of the other things I'll add to the basics that you mentioned is the name of their care team, like whoever's their provider, um, because there've been yeah. places where I've worked and you know, it's not always obvious or easy to find out who it is. And then if if you haven't found out and something goes wrong with your patient, then it's like, who do I tell? Like, it's great to know who your
1: who yeah, your are We've had um, at our hospital, we had at one point two different cardiothoracic surgeons that handled their patients very differently, and their co- communication styles were very different. And mm-hmm. so it. For me, like to be unsure or to be misinformed about who their original surgeon was or who the covering surgeon, excuse me, covering surgeon is, it it is so detrimental to me and my personal reputation, um, just because I communicate with those two surgeons so differently.
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking about,
1: (laughs) um, I
0: think uh, I was, you know, wanting to talk about assessment info too, because I feel like sometimes it can be really helpful if it's accurate and if it's brief. And there are certain things that I find really helpful in assessment info. One of the things is neuro status. Like, I always think that's helpful. What, you know, what's their level of, of consciousness and their orientation? Because that's one of those things that you can identify right away as someone is, has had a change or deteriorating in some way. Just, there's a change in status, So that needs to be accurate. Occasionally it's not. Someone will say this patient, uh, you know, is alert and oriented times four. And then you go in and they're super confused and you find out that's their baseline, but it's like that information wasn't accurate. And then it made me spend time, you know, worrying about that in the beginning of the shift.
1: Yeah, I've actually had the reverse happen in a really significant way. Um, And I think this happens a lot. Um, Somebody will write off a patient as like alert and oriented times two. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they all of a sudden become an inaccurate or untrustworthy historian or or symptom reporter like the patient does. Mm -hmm. And I've had a situation recently where uh, it was a respiratory patient, like they were in respiratory decline and they were written off as being delirious, but really they were just so anxious. And the way you treat a delirious patient is so different than the way you treat an alert and oriented anxious patient or not necessarily treat, but the way you care for them, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I, I was, it was very super upsetting to me to like, to to see that unfold. And so I think you're totally right. Like neurostatus is so key because it 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 frames how you're going to go into interactions with the patient.
0: I agree. I'm
1: hearing Oh
0: no, now it's gone. Um one of the things is um, that I find to be not quite as helpful sometimes is their lung sounds because I don't think that everyone maybe uh Maybe not everyone identifies lung sounds in the same way as the next person will, or I don't know what the reason for it is, but some, I feel like more times than not, and it may just be that the patient has changed, but someone reports lung sounds and then I go and listen and it sounds completely different or, you know, it's just not as described. So I'm, I always take the lung sounds with a grain of salt. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll hear it when I hear it,
1: you know? Totally. I get that. I get that. One thing, though, for one thing, I will say in some situations, like, if they're super coarse and then you go already and they let you know, hey, they're really coarse, like, and they're already, you know, I I mean, ugh. anyways, and then you go and listen to them and they are super coarse. If you didn't already know that, you'd be like, oh, geez, this is super coarse. Yeah. But it probably isn't going to re- change your response. You're still going to, like, go and ask for more Lasix. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So
0: Uh, other things in assessment and just, I'll be brief about this is functional status. Like it's good to know if someone can move and skin assessment, because like when people are admitted, you do a very thorough skin assessment. And then my day-to-day like head to toe assessment, I'm not flipping people over and looking at their butts and looking in between every toe and every crevice. So if I know something's there, then I know to go look for it, follow up on it. So it helps to know where to look. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I think uh, that's like a general statement. Like I've had situations where, uh, you know, like I didn't get in report that they have a colostomy bag and then I like lift up their gown and I'm like, Oh, (laughs) hello. (laughs) That would have been, yeah, that's kind of important. Um, so one thing, um, I think a general good rule that I tend to follow when I'm giving report, I'm like I've said before, I'm a newer nurse in ICU, so I have some insecurities. I wanna, I want to, um, you know, provide accurate information and, and be diligent and thorough when handing off to a day um, shift nurse. And so, if I'm ever like unsure, I'll just say it because it's, it's never going to hurt the patient to give the nurse the information and then they can decide if it's important or not. And that can be, you know, kind of gratuitous or like lengthy and drawn out, but it's not going to hurt the patient. So until I know, until I fine-tuned my ICU report better, that's kind of what I do. Yes. Yeah, share more, give yeah. more info. But do you, you've worked at other hospitals. So this is a good question for you at the ico I work in they they have a <clears throat> designed universal report sheet for every nurse. Oh, yeah, and it's way different than our telemetry report sheet. okay. And uh, is it
0: required that you use it?
1: Yes. okay. And it was a uh, very difficult to get that instituted and to be the norm, but it is now. and I I think I'm just like an a purist, basically what I experience first. I like the most. It's the same thing when I like hear a song, if I hear a song by a cover band and then I hear the original, I still tend to like the cover bands version more. <laughs> and so I still like, I just, uh, long for my telemetry report sheet. <laughs> I miss it so much. But do you feel like, uh,
0: is it helpful? Is it useful to have this standardized report in the ICU or
1: do you think you would
0: do things differently? Like if you had it your way?
1: Um, I would definitely include some, some other bigger spaces for things that I think are important, but I it's, it's very like, um, focused and, um, focused on drips, you know, which are important obviously. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I I don't prefer it, but I understand the reasoning behind it. And obviously I'm new. I don't have a leg to stand on. So I'm going to follow the rules. Yeah. You know, I've never seen,
0: I'm sure they have it at other hospitals, but I've never seen that. One thing I did see, this was um, in nursing school, actually in my preceptorship. Um, I was on this cardiovascular ICU and stepped down. The nurses could float between the two. They were connected and they would just take a piece of like plain white paper and fold it up in a specific way. It was like folded in half long ways and then in a fan. And they would make, write their assessment info from day to day and just keep passing that same piece of paper back and forth from nurse to nurse so that you could go back and look on Tuesday, they had, you know, this amount of edema and on Thursday now they've got this or, you know, their lungs sounded like this and now they sound like this, which I thought was really interesting, but it puts a lot of uh, weight in that one piece of paper. What if somebody loses it? Yeah. have you ever- How many times have you lost your brain, you know?
1: <laughs> All the time. Yeah. I I don't think I've made it through a single shift without misplacing my stethoscope. And so <laughs> I could not. I'd be so much more anxious with that. Like, if I lose my report sheet, it's not a big deal. I know my patients. I mean, it's it's inconvenient, but it's not the end of the world. But with that report sheet, like, think of how crucial that is for their system. Yeah totally. But again, like you, you know, like every nurse goes in and assesses their patient head to toe and makes um, decisions based on what they think is the priority. Yeah. True. Everyone's going to do report. I, when I get report from a different, like we often get patients from our sister hospital and from their ER and I have never, ever gotten a good report from a nurse over there. Not, not to like criticize those nurses, but it's an ER, it's a very busy and critical ER. So they, and they're just shipping people out left and right. And so, but that being said, I like, I have just learned to ec- expect nothing of value from that report and learn to really do my own like investigative work when the patient gets there.
0: I know exactly what you mean. I feel like that's kind of typical of ER reports in general, like that you get the bare minimum and you can try to pull some of the information out of the nurse, but they might be a little, uh, grumpy at you. So yeah, I, I do the same thing. I end up just researching as much as I can on my own in
1: the yeah. computer. And I don't blame them. I mean, they, they are tri- It's a triage mindset. So I get it. And then we're taking on a more like full, full range of pre- like the, the start of the care process. Yeah. But it is frustrating. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them, kind of. We just talk about it.
0: Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So It's Not About Food And it's not about weight. What is it about?
1: It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. Hey, podcast fans, I'm Jeff Davis. Through the safety of your earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, or car stereo, join me as I venture out on the wine road.
0: Aiden offers up practical and helpful tips to help you live a more joyful life. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed on a whim on a lonely Wednesday.
1: Welcome to Swirl, the wine show for people who know nothing about wine. And I know nothing about wine, but I love it. And I feel like wine's for everybody. I also feel like wine is also intimidating. Storygram Network.
0: Just the... So... We've got the basics, like the code status providers, all that, allergies. We've got assessment. Um, And what else do you like to know in your report? For you, drips, it sounds like it's really important.
1: Like the trend of the drips, whether we're weaning off or on things, um, you know, whether we've had to go up on certain um, pressers throughout the day. Um, The other thing that as a newer nurse in the ICU that I love to get, I always ask is like, okay, well, like what is the plan for the next 24 hours? Yeah. Because that tells me what I need to accomplish to, to have that be successful. Like, oh, well, we're trying to get them off epi and transfer it out to HVU, by to, by tomorrow afternoon, And I'm like, okay, well then I can totally do, I can totally like have actionable like things with that goal.
0: Yeah, I agree. I like the plan too. Yeah. And an idea of like, when when's the potential discharge date? And it's funny because I feel like that's come up in just recent years, more of the case management or discharge planning side of things. And now they really want nurses to be more involved. And it was kind of hard to like get some nurses involved in that, but I'm totally on board with that now yeah. for the same reason. It's like, all right, now I know what we need to focus on and who I need to in form of what, like, what do I need to ask the social worker for? Yeah. What do I need to ask
1: physical therapy about? You know? I think the next evolution of that is like talking about patient education, shift to shift. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a super glaring hole in healthcare and I get it. Like there's so much going on. It's like, it's so great. It's like a gold star on your daily resume. If you can educate your patient, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I, it's like so important. Um, And let me ask you this, Uh, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast in previous episodes. But what do you think about like getting the tea on the patient's personality or family issues going on? What's your opinion there?
0: Um, I don't mind it if it's brief. So I'm like, I'm okay with someone telling me this is really. Needy patient, they call a lot or, you know, they have a daughter that's a nurse and they like to hover. I like to be prepared, warned about those things, but I don't like to be scared. So I don't like when people give you every example of every bad interaction that they had with a patient or a family member. And then I go in either afraid of the person and then I feel like I might behave differently because of that or with a little chip on my shoulder already, like, Oh, I'm geared up. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to take crap from this person. Like I'm ready for it. And that's probably not fair to the patient. Um, and yeah, I don't want it to change my care. So I don't really like to hear too much of it.
1: Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I've, um, I think on the telemetry unit at our hospital, like that there's some nurses that really go in depth and, not demonize the patient or family members but you know it's obviously a conflict between that nurse and those people you know and yeah. so i don't like it to like stain my perception of the patient you know what i mean 100%
0: i feel like in general we should be up managing patients like we're supposed to up manage the oncoming nurse you know like this is a wonderful patient you're going to love him but I also don't want to hear too much of that. Like sometimes nurses go into the stories like, oh, and he did the cutest thing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, great. I'm glad you had a great shift with this patient, but like, let's get on, let's get on with it. We don't need to make this report drawn out so that you can tell me your bonding experience. Like,
1: yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely get that. Um, oh shoot. I've kind of lost my train of thought. I guess one too many glasses of wine. Cheers girl. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I like, it's good to be prepared because it kind of like, especially with difficult family members, it gives you a sense of armor and it gives you kind of an extra, um, like an extra layer of be on your game, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but like you said, like, ultimately I want to get through a and start my shift.
0: Yeah. I had like the, there's someone who works on nights, um, on the heart and vascular unit that gives me the best reports all the time. It's very just practical and like straightforward. And, um, she handed me four patients, a couple, this was a month ago, at least now, um, that were really, they were heavy patients and she had a rough night, but she didn't like make too much of it, but I could still pick up out of what she was telling me, like, this is going to be a rough morning for me. And I was fine with it. I was prepared because I'd had a stretch of shifts where I felt like I had really easy patients and things went too well, almost, you know, So I was like, all right, I guess it's my turn to have the like heavy load. And I was prepared for it, but she didn't scare me about it. You know, she wasn't like, oh, your day's about to suck. Yeah. I hate when people say something like that, like, oh, get ready because yeah, you know, I agree. It's going to be a rough one. Yeah. Don't tell me. It's always a rough one. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It is. I, I definitely get it. Um, have you had any, like maybe at other hospitals or this hospital, like where you're just like, you just want to like roll your eyes and scoff at the person giving you report for like any number of reasons, like excuses for not doing things or like, like hypercritical um comments on your care or anything like that?
0: Oh, let me count the ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I feel like at the hospital we work at now reports pretty great most of the time. I did have one incident recently with a nurse that I was just like, okay, you you I I hear heard a lot of excuses from this person on multiple reports in a row. There was a stretch of shifts when we kept passing patients back and forth. And I was just getting to the point where I'm like, great, I have to get report from this patient again. It's like, I'm going to have to do so much work just to research what's going on with the patient. They should know they're an experienced nurse. And I finally said something and that person didn't really take it very well, but I think that it was good for me to say it because, um, you know, Now they know this is what I expect when I get report. It's not a lot. I'm not asking for a lot, you know. I'm not like gonna badger you about like why didn't you do X, Y, and Z unless you're never doing X, Y, and
1: Z and you don't know A, B, and C ever. I totally get it, and it's it's one of those things where like generally, like my rule of thumb is it's a 24 hour shift. Generally, we're all doing the best we can to provide the best care in the time we have for the patient. But sometimes when it's a a person's pattern and reputation, enough is just enough and you got to say something. Totally.
0: I've also had nurses um, at other hospitals that just like really want to micromanage what you've already done in your shift. And I'm like, "Uh, I have my own license and it's my own shift. Like, um, I'm sure I've told this story before, but once I gave Tylenol for pain instead of a fever, even though it was prescribed PRN fever. And the next morning the nurse coming on, wanted me to get a doctor's order to say that I get, it's okay to use it for pain instead of fever. And I'm like, no, I'm not staying 30 minutes late while i wait for the oncoming team. But she kept badgering me and I was a newer nurse. And so that's what I ended up doing, waiting for the doctors to round, asking for an order for what it doesn't affect her at all. It was just me. Like if she wants to use it for pain, she can, you know, I can just write a note explaining what I did.
1: Yeah. I don't like being badgered. I, uh, when I was newer to the ICU or like brand new to the ICU, obviously it's very intimidating. And I had one nurse who just, it was so interesting. They're so nice to me, like overly nice to me outside of the nursing interactions, like report talking about the patient and whatnot. And then when the second we would start report, it was like this, this wall went down and I was an adversary and this nurse would like one time checked my pressure bags and and it was at 290 and they're supposed to be at 300 or above and and this nurse like just crucified me about it i was like and they lose pressure throughout you know throughout time that's just normal and it was the end of my show. anyways what is the big deal you pump it twice and it's good to go and yeah some, sometimes There's just this like mentality and I get it. You have to put on some personal armor when you're doing the tough job of nursing. But also I think it's so crucial to give each other, have a team like approach to it and give each other the benefit of the doubt. Like 90% of the time, the person that came before you had good intention and was trying their best. And yeah, we just have to trust that.
0: I agree with
1: you hundred percent. It's yeah. You not you to say to it's it not frustrating or difficult or there's anecdotal things where it's just like, I just hate you random person. I'm getting a report from, <laughs> you know, there's those moments. Um, but most of the time, I think we're all well-intentioned and I think yeah. the culture, I mean, this is a whole nother topic, but I think the culture of nursing is really shifting from like, oh, nurses eat their young to this more really prideful or not prideful proud and like
0: collaborative
1: like yeah, team collaborative yeah team approach and just i think that comes with just like time new nurses.
0: I, I do too i think it's a, uh yeah there's like a little bit of a generational shift and i think it's better for our health and our job satisfaction and i think it's better for patient care honestly Totally. It makes it, it improves communication amongst, you know, all healthcare team members. If we aren't out to get each other, you know, and we can communicate about the patient more easily, which is the goal. Like that's the main, that's our focus is to do the best for the patient.
1: Yeah. I'm like eternally, I think the best thing that's ever happened to me in life is to be hired um, with the group of people, hired as a new nurse with the group of people I was with, because- it was, I can truly say my first four years of nursing, it was a joy to go to work each day. Like I, or each night, I just loved showing up and seeing my friends and, you know, how many people can say that in their nursing career? Yeah. That A is a testament to the place we work, like the the culture that they foster and B the changing tides of just nursing in general.
0: Yeah. I agree. Oh, I miss
1: everyone. No, I saw a picture from, I don't know, maybe two years ago of somebody's birthday on night shift. And there are two people left on night shift um, on that unit from that photo. It was just so just like, oh, like the Mm. glory days have passed.
0: Yeah,
1: it has changed a lot. Yeah, it has. And and that's just the nature of any job. You know, I've, I've learned that a ton. Like you make these incredible friendships and life goes on. It's, it's like work friends, not to say, not to diminish that, but like work friends, you have these incredible, like super tight, super intimate bonds with these people because you're going through like incredible situations, but there's, that's like 25% of that person's life. And they have 75% of their life outside of those situations and that environment and all that at first when people started leaving night shift I was so mad and so grumpy <laughs> and I felt personally betrayed but then you realize people are making decisions based on their whole life not just their work life it's not all about me apparently <laughs> no, that's to say I'm just now forgiving you for moving over to day shift <laughs> <laughs> and making me give you report can you believe it rude, rude. The audacity. Has there ever been a time when I've given you a report and you were like, yeah, come on, let's go. Like, I would get it.
0: No. Shut up. Really? No, no. There there are people where I'm like, all right. Okay. Yes. Let's move on. Sometimes people, uh, they focus on like, oh, I can't remember where the peripheral IV is. I'm sorry. And they start fumbling through their papers. I'm like, do they have one? I'll find it. Move on. You know, I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, no, I feel well, like yours have always been the same. a
1: real frustration of mine, speaking of report. Like, we all know when an IV is going bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is do. a
1: major annoyance of mine. Because to start your shift off with no IV or no working IV is, it's a major derailment to the planning of your, of your shift. <laughs> it definitely can be,
0: especially I, if the patient's a hard stick, like,
1: and we have a lot of hard antibiotics sticks. or mm-hmm. like an drip. I have, there's two that I've um, worked with for the previous four years before I changed units. And they left me with not working IVs, but like, probably upwards of 50 times two different uh, nurses. Uh, it's like, rude. It's like, they're calling, like right next to the not working IV was a joker card. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> they Strikes just, again. Yeah. It so irritating,
0: but 24 hour shift, well, whatever. <laughs> and it just happens that it always needs a new IV on your shift. Wow. <laughs>
1: It's the jinx. We talked about it in the last episode. It's real. (laughs) Well, you probably weren't wearing the right shoes that night. Yeah. That is why. Or I didn't do my positivity mantra. Who knows?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just Um, kidding. I (laughs)
1: always do those. (laughs) Should we move on to our
0: uh, whining and shining? Yeah. You go first with whining. Um, So... I, I sometimes work in the stress test lab in the cardiology office that I work at. And so we have patients come in there that are on the treadmill or sometimes they're getting medication and everyone's wearing a mask because of COVID. Well, occasionally someone will have Excessive shortness of breath, and I will tell them it's okay to take your mask down for a few minutes and try and catch your breath, you know. And I'm going to keep mine on for your protection. Well, that happened to a patient recently, and she took her mask off, but then she got super accusatory at me, like, Oh, so you have people in here with their masks off sometimes? And I said, uh, On rare occasions, you know, if someone's having excessive shortness of breath, yeah, I mean, it's we need to, you know. And she said, Well, are you wearing two masks? And I said, no, I'm wearing this one. And I don't even know why I would need to wear two masks. And she's like, well, and it's, you know, you don't have another one underneath. And she shows me she has a surgical mask, mask under her cloth mask. And I said, well, these masks are really more for me to protect you. Like my mask protects you, yours protects me. And she said, well, still, you should have at least two under there. And she starts giving me a lecture for the mask I'm wearing, which is totally approved by our office and the, the CDC. You know what I mean? I'm like, uh, okay, well, put your mask back on and,
1: you know, E-T-F-O, mother- struggle through it.
0: <laughs> Sorry for trying to be hopeful.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, that would really chap my hide. It did.
0: It's like, to, went and told all the other nurses immediately. I'm like, listen, I don't know why. It just, like, really irritated me. I'm just like, ugh. Uh,
1: uh. uh, you believe it. My wine is a very, it's less of a story and just a, a generalized statement is the, as of right now, it's November, 2020, as we're recording this and the <laughs> things we don't know about COVID still exceed the, the things we do know about COVID, meaning like the pathophysiology, the incubation period, the, the transmissibility, like We have general understandings of it, but we still don't have specifics. And that is because it's a new virus. You know, uh, we are focused, like the medical community is focused on caring for the patients. And then, you know, it's a learning process for us all. I I, I say all that to say that. And it's so frustrating that that isn't being taken into consideration by the general public or the leaders that have been in our country and abroad that it's so new. Like we don't have the answers. The medical community doesn't have the answers for everything. And it's, it's turning out to be a really variable virus, meaning like, you know, one person with hypertension that's 52 years old can have it and have like a bad flu. And another person that's 51 with hypertension can end up intubated for 16 days. True story, two patients I had, you know, and it just, we don't understand it, but we know the the potential dangers of it. And somehow, the fact that it's like instead of take weighing the potential dangers heavily, people the gen, a lot, some of the general public is weighing the the potential like, or they're like it's an inverse relationship. They're not weighing the dangers heavily; they're weighing the the well, what, why is this person doing fine? You know? Yeah.
0: They're taking the best case scenario and like yeah. living their lives based on that data.
1: Yeah. And, and I understand like, it's such a troublesome time for us all and it's frustrating and it's been going on for a long time and it's inconvenient and all these things that are understandable and true, but that doesn't change the fact that like one person's irresponsibility or cavalier attitude for it can end up infecting innocent people that end up dying from it, you know? Yeah, so that's my wine. It's just the, the fact that people aren't taking the the dangers of it with, with a higher degree of concern.
0: Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And I think you explained it really well. And I'm going to just use some of your words when, because there are people that I interact with regularly that have that attitude. And I, I have a hard time describing like why I think people think like, oh, well, were they really old? And, you know, did they have other sicknesses? And then that's probably why they had it so bad. I'm like, no, that's not why, because you can be young and relatively healthy and get it really bad.
1: Anyway, we, don't, we know don't know enough about it. That. Like yeah. n- the 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 lack of grace and understanding people are just playing with the fact that we just don't have the answers and that's nobody's fault. That's just the process of things. It's a new virus. And we just don't know yet. We don't have enough data. You have to have like peer reviewed studies to publish any medical truths. And to do that, sadly, you have to have sick people come through, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're all just fine by the seat of our pants. And anyways, it's just, I've come across some people like real hoaxers that um, it's just, it's offensive and, and irritating and really sad to see, um, like people's disregard for com- the, the common person, you know, for- I agree with you. So that's my wine. <sighs> it's a big one. And nobody <laughs> really has a solution. I apologize. I'm really into just bringing everybody down lately. What's your recommendation in this communication here? <laughs> <laughs> my, the, I've given you the SBA. My recommendation is just to live life with caution for now. And, um you know, think of act responsibly and think of, you know, you may be making the decision that you're a healthy person. And if you get COVID, you're probably going to be fine. But think about your mom or your grandpa or like a little kid, like you're making that decision for them too. So Carry that responsibility with um, compassion. Yeah. Well said. Thanks. Um, I'm actually shining now. Huh? I've just. I'm gonna become president now. After saying that, I feel super presidential.
0: Um, Uh, vote for you, hundred (laughs) percent.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: putting you on the write-in ballot next time. Okay, that's good. That's. I don't think you're actually old enough to be president yet, but we can try. You know, anything can happen these days that's true there all oh. seem to be very many rules about things so. that was a rule okay moving on not allowed go ahead moving <laughs> on. um okay moment so uh I, this is similar to what you said on the last full episode my shine that I want I want to point out someone who I work with and it's the other work- nurse who works in our office full-time and she's been working throughout the whole time so when COVID started um cat one of the other nurses ended up taking a leave because they've got um autoimmune disorders cat's diabe- diabetic and also i think she might have been pregnant at the time and the other person has another autoimmune disorder and they wanted to like make sure that they weren't exposing themselves to covid and this nurse has been working full-time in the office ever since she hasn't taken any vacations she's been diligent about wearing her mask and she hasn't like you know, she doesn't even go see her family on the weekends, like the family that doesn't live in her house. She doesn't even go, you know, do anything. And she needs a freaking vacation, man. And she's finally going to take one in December. And I'm super stoked for her. Anyway, you know who you are. You're, you're, You're amazing.
1: Good for her. That's like, I just appreciate that. And she stepped up and she deserves a good, good break.
0: Yeah. She's been holding down the fort in that office, man. Like, yeah. Anyway how about you? Uh, my shining, uh, um, nothing, everything sucks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so
1: bleak. No, um, my shining, let's see. Uh, oh shoot. <laughs> you know, I, I, my shining, I guess is to like, uh, our methods of communication like are so vast and available. Can you imagine Going through this year without being able to text people, without being able to take photos and send them to people, without being able to video chat, like just those way, like the small silver linings of this terrible situation we've all been going through, uh, they're easy to overlook. But just the fact that I'm able to like call up my mom and talk to her, even though I can't see her, it's nice. Technology. Technology, yeah. Oh, and my other shining freaking working. I miss working. It's been, I already said this, but it's, it's been a while and I miss it. And just the community and the social aspect and the social gratification you get and the like mental stimulation, I'm going crazy. I'm like, I literally have diagnosed my dad with dementia and lung cancer. And I have so little evidence, but because I'm not able to be a nurse right now, I just have to put my nursing, uh, capabilities elsewhere. And he's the poor, the poor victim of my restlessness.
0: Oh, your dad's your pet project. You need to go back to work. (laughs) I need to go back to work. So, well, guys, tell us what you like to hear and report, um, and also, what are you what are you whining about? And what, who do you think is shining? Um, you can get in touch with us uh, by email at ww nurses at Over to you, Desi. What? <laughs> oh, I was just going to have you do the <laughs> social media.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, I can. <laughs> I'm here <You're> all. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's rolling over here. No, okay. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Whining W Nurses, or Instagram, Whining With Nurses. We'd love to hear from you. It makes our day. Um, shoot us a message. Shoot us an email. And who knows? You might get a shout out. Cheers! And you will get a shout out. Cheers!